Good morning. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for tuning in uh, to our online worship. And, and uh, I just want to thank Kyle and Macy Tanner for leading us in worship. It's a wonderful thing when we're led into the, the throne room to worship the Lord. And, um, you know, this morning we're going to continue on in our study in the book of James and uh, garnering some wisdom from Pastor James. And we're going to be in chapter 4 of the book of James. If you want to take your scripture out and, and open it up to James chapter 4, we're going to camp out there for a little bit in our time together this morning. Um, you know, in, in very simple terms, our world is divided into two mutually exclusive warring camps. Uh, the camp of the Lord and the camp of the enemy or of Satan. And uh, everyone is in one of these two camps and there's no neutral ground that exists in this conflict. Today we're going to see in James chapter 4 that it can be uh, summarized like this. To resolve conflicts, turn away from all spiritual adultery and humbly ask for God's grace. Now what, what is the connection between spiritual adultery and resolving conflicts? You know, if you go to a Christian psychologist and complain about maybe a relational conflict that you're having, they may give you some techniques to help resolve the problems. You know, maybe like uh, use a win-win approach or uh, negotiate uh, an acceptable compromise or listen without judging the other person. Maybe use I feel statements instead of accusations. And all of these relational principles, you know, which you could find, by the way, in you know, many internet blogs or advice columns, they may just put a band-aid on your interpersonal conflict, but they represent what I want to call the best of, of human wisdom. Um, the difficulty is, is that they overlook the root problem in relational conflicts, which is the entrenched selfishness of those involved. I mean, you can't deal with selfishness unless you truly enthrone Christ as Lord, unless you surrender under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, your motives will be selfish. What I'm trying to say is that all relational conflicts are rooted in a spiritual problem. Those involved are not where they should be in their relationship to the living God. In James chapter 4, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, Pastor James confronted uh, selfishness as the source of, of our conflicts. And now he ties in selfishness with worldliness and shows that at the root of it all is spiritual adultery. In other words, unfaithfulness to God. Now, look with me, if you will. We're going to read uh, chapter 4. Uh, beginning in verse 4, and we're going to read down through verse 10. And so follow along with me, if you will. Pastor James writes this. He says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. 
but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and thank you for how your word challenges us. And Father, I pray for a brokenness. Father, a spirit of repentance to, uh, to fall upon our hearts. That God, we would see our sin as it truly is. That Holy Spirit, you would be the one evaluating and convicting us of the truth. And Father, that we would confess to you, that we would submit to you. And humble ourselves. And Father, I pray that prayer for each and every one of us. That we would humble ourselves before you. God, recognizing uh, that, that we serve an awesome and mighty God. Father, our nation needs to, to be humbled before you. And Father, we readily recognize that. But we also know, Father, that it's going to start with your people who are called by your name. So I pray, Father, that we would humble ourselves this morning, wherever we are, in your sight. And Father, that you would use that in our lives for transformation. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place, in this vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, James, he talks here about worldliness and he, he says that worldliness constitutes unfaithfulness toward God. That's what he says in verse 4. And this is shown by his use of the, the shocking word, adulteresses. Now James wasn't being sexist when he said this in his use of the feminine word, adulteresses. He's simply seeking to reflect our relationship with Christ as his bride. That we are uh, betrothed to him, that we belong to him. And listen, when we give ourselves over to worldliness, we are giving ourselves over to someone other than the one to whom we have been promised. You know, returning from Sunday school one morning where the Ten Commandments were, had been the topic, a, a young boy asked his father, he said, Daddy, what does it mean when it says, Thou shalt not commit agriculture? He said, his father answered, he said, son, that just means that you're not supposed to plow another man's field. <laughs> and, uh, you know, marriage experts tell us that there are certain stages that someone goes through in having a marital affair. And what I, what I want to get to is we can see these stages in, in our physical world and in our relationships with others. But understand that we can see parallels with this in the same uh, dealing with spiritual adultery. Okay, and so I'm going I'm to draw those parallels for us this morning uh, real briefly. But, you know, when, when we talk about someone having an affair, the first thing that we notice is distance. 
There's a sense of a loss of intimacy or emotional connectedness with one's spouse. You know, they might say something like, well, I, I feel so distant from them or I, I don't feel a connection with them. And, and folks, on a spiritual level, in this stage, we become distant from God, uh, showing the, in the fact that we have desires and we don't submit our desires to Him and we know that the gratification of those desires are that maybe they're outside his will and we become tempted to look outside God's will to gratify them or to please those desires. And so we, we, we sense this distancing from God. And this is like the first step, the first stage in, in um, spiritual adultery. Now, now it goes on further and it moves towards gratification. You know, this uh, a temporary sense of relief if you will, from sharing one's heart with someone outside the marriage. You know, probably someone of the opposite sex where it, it's one of those things where um, they, they feel a sense of relief because they're, they're talking about things they should actually be talking with their spouse about. And so they, they feel this sense of relief because they're distant from their spouse and they have to share it with somebody or they feel they do. So they share it with someone who's outside of that relationship. And, and on a spiritual level, here we choose to turn away from God. And we turn to the world and its promise to gratify or to please or to indulge our sinful desires. And so first comes distance, then comes gratification. Third, it moves on to connection. And, and this is the development um, of an emotional attachment to this outsider that you, you've shared your heart and all of a sudden you you feel like you've got a connection with someone then and and in the, on the spiritual level in this stage we actively become friends with the world we, we, we are active in that we're complicit in that and then there's um, the next stage is prioritization um, we begin to give preference to and deliberately pursue time and activities with this outsider. We look for opportunities to be with this person in their presence. And on a spiritual level here, we become conformed to the world and its values like it talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Well, then finally, we end up at culmination. This growing attachment, uh, this emotional attachment and sharing with them and prioritizing, uh, finding time with them, it grows into something that we call physical intimacy. And so at some point there is a, a physical act that takes place between this person and the outsider. And on a spiritual level in this final stage, we become stained by the world. That's what James talks about in James chapter 1, verse 27. So friendship with the world is spiritual adultery. If you read the second half of that first verse that we started with, verse 4, he says, uh, beginning in verse 4, he says, You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Then he says, Therefore, whoever wishes to become to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So worldliness is hostility toward God. See, there's a, a spiritual principle here that is involved in these words of James 
And the spiritual principle is that no one can serve two masters. I mean, Jesus himself, he, he taught this principle to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following. See, God's word makes it clear and it makes it an either or matter. A matter in which we must choose whom we're going to serve. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve the world. We're either going to be a friend of God or we're going to be a friend of the world. It's an either or matter. And in spite of this principle, many people try to serve two masters. And they hope that somehow this will be acceptable to Almighty God. You know, like an adulterer who seeks to maintain a side relationship with someone and their relationship with their their spouse at the same time. It's like they think they can have it both ways. They think that they can have their cake and eat it too, so to speak. But the idea is, in God's Word, it says one or the other. You cannot do both. Folks, God is a holy God. He is holy. He will not accept such spiritual adultery and a relationship with Himself at the same time. It doesn't work that way. You know, my wife would not like it if I was partially faithful to her. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't be acceptable to me if she was somewhat faithful to me. Why would we think that God would accept a side relationship? It's no different. James calls it spiritual adultery, that we are being an adulterer with God. Now notice that James uses a verb here which means whoever wishes <laughs> or whoever chooses as the uh, NIV version says, but clearly implying that there's a deliberate choice that has been made. He also uses a verb which grammatically means that such a person is made or, or makes himself or is constituted or is rendered or becomes an enemy of God. In other words, we've made the choice. It clearly implies that a state of hostility toward God has brought about as a consequence of that choice of becoming a friend of the world. In other words, whoever wishes or whoever makes himself to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. In other words, it's our action that has caused this. It's something we did that made us an enemy of God. And it's because we have put ourselves in spiritual adultery with the world. Notice in verse 5, he says, Or do you not think, or excuse me, or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. See, this worldliness makes God righteously jealous. You know, many scholars point to this as one of the most perplexing verses in all of James's letter. For one thing, it's kind of difficult to translate. The NIV, for example, translates it, the spirit he caused to live in us tends toward envy. <clears throat> Excuse me. But also gives two alternative translations in the margin that God jealously longs for the spirit that he made to live in us and that the spirit he caused to live in us 
uh, longs jealously. See, that last translation is the one that probably has the most support from the other passages of Scripture. And it interprets this to mean this, that the indwelling uh, Holy Spirit of God in the believer yearns for the pure love and devotion of that believer with an intense jealousy and will not accept that love and devotion being divided with another. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God says it's unacceptable to be divided, that love to be divided with another lover. And, and you know, it's so the graphic, the, the intensity that he, he gives here. You know, it seems to me like James is summarizing the general teaching in the Old Testament because it appears that there's an Old Testament quote here, but it actually doesn't appear to be in a verse in the Old Testament uh, that, that we could serve as a, a source of that quote. But it seems to me like he's summarizing the general teaching in the Old Testament that God is a jealous God who acts in righteous jealousy to protect what is his. You know, if I felt like someone was moving in on my bride, I would act with righteous jealousy because she rightly belongs to me. And I, and, and I belong to her. And it would be well and good for, for me to defend that and to be jealous of that. Not in a, a petty way, but I'm saying if someone was pursuing my wife, I would want to be in the middle of that. But that's the way God is with us. We are his bride. He loves us. He purchased us. Jesus gave his life for us. He died for the church. And so he's jealous of that. And it rightly belongs to him. And so for us to uh, prostitute that out with the world is not right. But God is holy. And he desires his bride. And I think this is huge. And I, I just have to ask the question, you know, looking a little deeper into our own hearts. I mean, are you seeking to satisfy a desire in your life right now? Uh, are you seeking to satisfy something apart from God? It's a fair question because we're surrounded by ungodliness. Do you find yourself increasingly turning to the things of the world for relief from the concerns of God rather than turning to God for relief from the concerns and things of the world? Do you find that you accept the fact of a growing distance between yourself and God because of some of the things you're allowing in your life to, to make you happier? I mean, brothers and sisters, we've got to ask these tough questions because we found ourselves in bed with the world. If you answer yes to any of those questions, you've already crossed the line and you've begun to fall into spiritual adultery. I mean, do you understand that our worldliness is spiritual adultery and unfaithfulness to the one who purchased us for himself? Do you understand, do you get it, that it places us in a state of hostility toward God? 
and that because we are in a state of hostility toward God, that it, pro- it provokes our awesome God to act in jealousy to protect what genuinely and rightly belongs to Him. See, worldliness in the life of the believer is a dreadful thing. See, as the next few verses show us, sin demands the strongest repentance. May God search our hearts this morning and show us any trace of friendship with the world that is within us. And may He empower us to totally repent of it with a whole heart, with all of our heart. See, the only cure for friendship with the world is repentance and a recommitment to Jesus Christ. Follow with me what Pastor James says in verse 7. He says, Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you. You know, as I read through this, it kind of looks to me like James. Pastor James makes a a humble sandwich. If you look at the very last word of verse 6, he says, is humble. And then in, in verse 10, it is humble. And so in between, he's making like a, a humble sandwich, if you will. And, and in between these, these humble buns are four slices of cold-cut commands that help us in becoming humble. Listen, these here are four steps to breaking off your love affair with the world. Four steps to breaking off that relationship, that, that spiritual, uh, uh, adulterous relationship that we've taken, that has taken place in our lives. Breaking off that relationship. And the first step is, he says, is submit to God. Submit to God. Cease fighting and surrender your will to His control. You know, when I was a kid... I grew up in, with uh, two older brothers, and we used to, uh, you know, it was on like Donkey Kong. We would get after it. We would grapple. We would fight. We would wrestle. And when someone said the word uncle, I might be, you know, aging myself here, but if somebody got you into a position and you said uncle, that, mean, that means I give up. That means I'm done. You know, in today's vernacular, it might be a tap out. You know, when we tap out, it's like, it's like, you know, you give up, you're, you're done. Okay. You're in such pain or you're in a place where you're saying, okay, you win. Folks, we need to tap out with God. We need to be, we need to stop fighting and we need to surrender to God. We need to surrender to the Spirit's promptings and surrender to Him, letting God do our fighting. You know, C.H. Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers, this is what he said. He said, if you will not submit, 
if you won't tap out. Your faith is a lie. Your hope is a delusion. Your prayer is an insult. Your peace is a presumption. And your end will be despair. We wonder why Christians live defeated lives. We wonder why we see people down in the dumps. Why we see people in despair. They won't tap out. They won't, they won't surrender to God. And that's what he's saying. He says, submit therefore to God. I love that. Because that's the answer. If we want to end the spiritual adulterous relationship that we're in with the world, we have to submit to God. We have to surrender to Him. We have to tap out. He goes on to say, resist the devil. Resist his promptings. You know, sheep ranchers have tried just about everything to stop coyotes from killing their sheep. I mean, (laughs) they've used odor sprays, they've used electric fences, they've used ranch dogs, they've placed battery-powered radios near them, they, they, you know, corral them at night, They, they herd them during the day. And then you know what? They discovered (laughs) the llama. The aggressive, funny-looking, afraid-of-nothing llama. Llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything. And whenever they see something, they put their head up and they walk straight towards it, showing no fear. That is aggressive behavior as far as the coyote is concerned. And they won't have anything to do with it. See, coyotes are opportunists. And the llamas take that opportunity away. Apparently, llamas know the truth of what James writes when he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. For the moment that we sense the devil's attack through temptation is the moment that we should face it and deal with it for what it is. Because, listen, You're either resisting the devil or you're resisting the Lord. One or the other. Which one? Thirdly, James here says, draw near to God. Draw near to God. Stay close to God by developing a close, intimate relationship with Him. Hear from God's Word. Speak to God Have that relationship, that intimacy, that one-on-one time with God every day. Work on that relationship. You know, if if I didn't spend time with my wife, if I didn't give her the time of day, if I didn't talk to her, if I didn't spend time with her, that relationship would feel distant. But the reality is, is we share everything with one another. We talk about things. We're intimate with one another. We, we, we spend time together. We enjoy our time together. We're, we protect our time together. Because we want that intimacy. We want to draw near to one another. And that's exactly the same thing here. James says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Show you're interested in God. Let that, let that relationship be close and intimate. He goes on, and lastly, he says, cleanse your hands, 
Purify your hearts. Cleanse yourself from any moral defilement that you've created that that creates the hostility between ourselves and others or between ourselves and God. Cleanse that. Wash it. Lay it at His feet. Confess it. Put it out there and say, God, I've messed up. Will you forgive me? You know, Chuck Swindoll, he said, we must never forget that this godless world hated Jesus enough to kill him. See, James is appealing for godly sorrow. The intense kind that grows out of a deep awareness of our own sin. I mean, how do we stop fights? How do, we, how do these fights stop? Tap out. Surrender to God. Humble yourselves. Resist the devil. But it's going to take humility. And that's what he says there in verse 10. He says, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. See, this is the twofold uh, blessing of humility. The first one is found in verse 6 where he says, but he gives greater grace. When we humble ourselves, God gives us more grace. He opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And the second blessing of humility is that he exalts us. He lifts us up. He picks us up. You know, the great missionary Hudson Taylor, he once noted, he said, God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to lean on him. Folks, may that be true of our hearts. I mean, James did not write these words simply to walk on his hearer's toes. He wrote them to call his hearers to repentance. We need humility and repentance among the people of God. God issues the same challenge to us to be completely devoted to Jesus Christ, to Him. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank You for this time. And Father, we need... We need a great repentance in our hearts. We need a great repentance in the body of Christ. And Father, I pray that that would be so today. Father, that your spirit would move among us and would convict us of the areas where we've given ground to the enemy, where we've become friends of the enemy, where we have invited the enemy in. Father, and we've made the choice and the consequence of that choice is we've put ourselves at odds with God. Father, that we've become a spiritual adulterer. And Father, that we would confess that and repent of that. Father, that so so that times of refreshing could come, that times of renewal. Father, that you would transform our heart and forgive our sin. And Father, that you would give more grace and that you would exalt us. Father, We need that. We need to be picked up off the floor. Father, we need to do our part in repenting of our sin. 
may that be so in our hearts today. Holy Spirit, make it so. And we ask this in Jesus' name.